0: Hey, I am honored to be here. Uh, man, I will tell you, uh, it is so exciting to be with people your age. And you know why I love being with people your age is because I know I'm going to age myself because my children are your age. And I love my children. My wife, Jana, is here. And um, and there is just something tender in our heart for, for you, for what you're going through, for the stage of life that you are, because, again, it's a it's a phenomenal time, and, and God is doing and will do so much in your life. So I'm just pleased as I can be to get to come and share with you tonight. So if you're like me or my children, we grew up with these little Fisher-Price toys. Y'all remember that? You know what I'm talking about? And what's the most popular one? Whether you grew up in church or not, there was the Fisher-Price Noah's Ark, Right? And it's this little, I have to admit it bothers me a little bit. Noah is always bald. Why is that? You know, well, maybe that's a good thing. Anyway, Noah's bald, and you got the giraffes, and you got the zebras, and you got the lions. And so we grow up as children with this story of Noah and the ark. And it's a remarkable story, but it's not necessarily a children's story, right? And so what I want to do tonight, because we're going to be in Genesis 6, verses 5 through 22, if you have your Bible or your app, and you want to turn there. And and I hope and my desire tonight is for us and for myself to get maybe a fresh view of Noah and the ark and what God did in and through Noah. And so in particular, I want us to focus on Noah and focus on the culture at the time, this condition of the world at the time, because I think we're going to see there are lots of um, application for us as well. So I have asked my amazing wife, Jana, to come and read. Let's give Jana a hand. Ooh, yeah. Quick story. When my grandfather, who's since passed on, first met my wife, the first thing he said to me was, Mark, I think more of you now. So there you go.
1: All right, here we go. We're in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. We're kicking it old school tonight, aren't we? All right, here we go. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of his, the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Dang. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make room in the ark. And cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark is 300 cubits and its breadth 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with a lower second and third deck. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which the breath of heaven under heaven and everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wives and your sons' wives, with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, and every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also, take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up, and it shall serve as food for you and for them. I'm sorry I giggled. I don't know why. I'm almost there. And Noah did this. <laughs> Noah did this. He did some of what God commanded him. Oh, no. No, no, no. Wait, wait, Let's try that again. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him.
0: Awesome. Well, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend the first time tonight going over some ideas that, and again, I have read this before. I mean, you, if you looked at my Bible, I've highlighted it, I've underlined. But it is interesting how you can come across something and you go, I didn't see that before. Now, let's be real. What do we, we hear in this about the world at Noah's time? Give me some words. What, did, what describes Noah's world at the time? Evil, continually. I heard corrupt broken. I remember the word violent in there. What else was in there? That pretty much covers it, right? Okay. The good thing is that sounds nothing like our world, right? <laughs> no, that sounds exactly like our world. Does it not? I mean, it's the same as our world. Our world is corrupt. Our world is evil. Our world has desires that are, that are not of the Lord. Our world is violent. And so there is a lot just from that that we can take from this, this story of Noah and what God is going to do through Noah, right? So one of the things we've got to first do is go, wait a minute, wait a minute, there is something here. There is, this isn't just billions of years ago and some bald guy with a, you know, with a robe and no shoes. There's something here that we can pull and apply to our lives, I think, because it's not like Everything was hunky-dory then, and it's not hunky-dory now. Or everything was bad then, and it's hunky-dory now. Do people, is it just, I'm aging myself. Nobody says hunky-dory. No one will ever say that again. I will never say it again. I'm sorry. So, here's what I want to do, though. And in going through this, I have to tell you, I had never seen this, but I want to talk about one of the most important words in the Bible, and that word is but. 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 But is this amazing word in the Bible because it very often is described before it is this circumstance this thing something's happening that's not good and then along comes this word in the scriptures but and something's going to change right something's going to happen there's a circumstance there's a, it's not going the way it should but but something is going to happen and so if you look in well before we get there what are some examples of that? And I thought, I went through and found some. So in Genesis chapter 50, I, I suppose you all get there, Joseph, What we know the story of Joseph. Joseph gets sold into slavery. Things don't go well. Um, yada, yada, yada. He's second in command of Egypt. And the next thing you know, uh, his brothers come, his father dies, and his brothers before him, and they're scared because they're thinking Joseph is going to remember what we did to him. And what does Joseph say? He says, you intended to harm me, but... God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done—the saving of many lives. I love Psalm 73. It says, "My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever." Even in um, somebody turned to Daniel six uh, verses 17 and 18. Anybody got that? You're probably quicker than I am. Let me know when you've got Daniel six. 17 through 18, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Here's another good, but we got to spend time on that, anybody got it, Daniel six, Daniel 6, 17, 17 and 18, you got it,
1: and a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den,
0: oh, hold on. Eh, okay, momentary, <laughs> I could have sworn it was Daniel 6, Hold on, bear with me. This is too good. I tell you, it, where we're going on this, Jenna, you'll help me. Jenna's going to pull me out of here. It's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the fire. And what they say is they're in trouble because they haven't bowed down to, to the king, right? And they said, hey, our God can save us, but if he doesn't, we're still going to serve God. Okay, so don't look it up. That's what it says. That's the summary, Mark's summary there. But here's one in Ephesians, and in my Tuesday Bible study, we're going through Ephesians, and I love this, and this is one of the most important buts ever. In Ephesians 2, it tells us, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So, but God. God has a plan, but his plan always includes people, right? He works out through people. So now let's come back to Genesis chapter six. Okay. And there, I never noticed this before, but look in verse eight. What does verse eight say? But Noah, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So here we got this bad situation going on there, but Noah but Noah, in all the wrong in the world, there was Noah. He was a light in the darkness. When all around him were run into evil, he was walking with God, we know he says there. He was countercultural. I was, I, in thinking about him, I, I was reminded of, of the Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen 13, when he says there, You shall seek me and find me when you seek me with a whole heart. It just makes me think of Noah. Noah is seeking God in a corrupt generation with a whole heart. God is always looking for that one, the one who will walk with him in darkness, who will spread a light, who will be part of his hands and his feet in the redemption of a lost and dying world. He's looking for the one, but Noah. So here's where we're going. And I love, write down 2 Chronicles 69. If that's not in your uh, underlined Bible, you need to, because it's one of the favorite verses that I have. For the eyes, it says, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro across the earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully devoted for, to God. Isn't that just a cool picture? God's just up there going, man, I need somebody. It's a lost, dying world. Oh, but Noah. What's your name? David. But David. What's your name? Jonas. But Jonas. Courtney. But Courtney. Here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to say your name out loud when I count to three. All right? One, two, three. But, 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 you get the point? This is the generation. You are in this generation, but you, but you. If but Noah is going to go build an ark, but you can be who God uses to reach a lost and dying world, right? But Noah, I've never seen that before. But Mark, but Sydney, but Nolan, but Aaron, but everybody. Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good work and glorify your Father, who is in heaven. Right? All right. That I think you hear rain. That is a good moment where I want you now to look at your questions and spend a few minutes going over these questions. Okay? Because that's what we do, right? What'd you say? The blood is coming. Daniel three, wait, Daniel three. Dadgummit, we're gonna read that. Read the, Do you have it? We're just, we're gonna read this because I'm telling you, it's in my notes. Second Chronicles sixteen nine. What, what line was it? Seventeen. Seventeen. <laughs> if, we oh, yeah. into... <clears throat> if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, then God we serve is a able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand but even if he does not uh, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of your gold you have set up there you go all right see daniel three all right discuss this question what do you think noah did to be considered righteous and blameless in such a corrupt world how might he have walked with god and what can these observations teach us about how we are to be in our cultural mo- moment? Well, hopefully that was some thought-provoking discussion. Nolan has a mic that he was going to come around. If in- Anybody have any thoughts or responses kind of in the, within where we are right now?
1: All right. Hi, I'm Ashley. So at our table, we kind of talked about um, really how brave and courageous Noah was to even accept this really big responsibility from God. And there was no hesitation, no where am I going to get all of this stuff to build and just the the courage that he had to take on this task also with his family alongside
0: Amen to that.
1: Oh, yeah. We also said that he just is a good role model for his family. Yes.
0: That's really a good point. Yeah, that, that there is a role model there even as, as a family. That's a good point. Thank you. Anybody else got an observation? Thank you. That was awesome. Anybody else? Okay, here we go. Uh, I think for that first question, what he what did he do? Um, at the end of the chapter, it just says, so Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. And I would imagine that he did that before God said, build the ark. So he just lived his life that way and did everything as God told him to or as God desired him to. You're stealing some of my next, uh, thing. No, that is really... Yeah. It's a great point. We're going to touch on that in a minute. Some more. Thank you. Outstanding. Anybody else? And then we'll just... Okay, yes.
1: Uh, for that second question, like how might you have walked with God, we kind of touched on how like as Christians we're called to walk with God and, you know, we're supposed to live um, like Jesus. And that is different from the entire world. And we were like, that's kind of crazy because if you think about it, Noah in that time was the only one who believed in God, like the only person, and how he walked. And people probably thought he was crazy and, you know, a little psycho in the head and stuff like that. And we kind of compared it to the world now. People think of Christians as crazy and like, wow, what are the Christians doing? Like, why are they living that way? Come on, just like come and join us or like that entire um, challenge. So we kind of talked about how um, as Christians we have, it's there's a term, it's called FOMO. It's fear of missing out. (laughs) Um, We kind of talked about that and how that can be a challenge because sometimes you want to go and live like the rest of the world, but, you know, God calls us to be faithful and live like him.
0: Wow, really, really good. Yeah, in fact, your generation with social media, that FOMO thing is Is a virus. Yeah, thank you. Really, really excellent point. Anybody else before we jump on or move on? Oh, good.
1: So a few years ago in high school, um, the Bible study group that I was in, we went through this, and our leader kind of pointed out how,
0: like, it took Noah a long time to build this, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he was 600 years old whenever the floods finally came. Um, And I just remember her telling us, like, Just think about being in his shoes and how
1: insane he was to everybody, you know, and, like, everybody that would walk by seeing him building it, like, hey, Noah, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm building a huge ship because God told me to. (laughs) And, like, there's going to be floods, and, like, they don't even know what floods are, you know, like, just how insane he was for doing that. But he was incredibly faithful to doing what God told him to do whenever he had absolutely no clue, you know. All he knew was the measurements God gave him that's and right. that there was going to be a flood, and that's it.
0: <clears throat> that's right. Yeah, there's there's some, you know, thought in the Bible that it had not even rained yet, you know. So that even makes it crazier, you know. It, what's a flood? Yeah. All right. One more. One more, and then we'll.
1: Is it on? Okay. We were talking about the thir- on the third question I mentioned about um, being your own person mm-hmm. and how you need to, like, sometimes ignore what everyone else is saying to do what you need to do to follow God. So.
0: Amen. Yeah, that classic play to the audience of one, you know, God. And so, yeah, you, you're exactly right. Very good. All right, excellent. Y'all ready to move on? All right. So... Here's where we're going to go, and we're going to say, okay, there is a lot about Noah clearly that we should emulate. In other words, let's, let's really think about, and you've addressed a lot of it, how can we be like Noah? What can we learn from Noah? So the first thing, what does God tell him to do? He says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. So make yourself an ark. And you're, you're right, the ark is like a football field and a half long. It can hold like 450 tractor trailers. You can put three space shuttles on end to end. And from what I understand, it's like four stories high. It's huge. And, and as Jana read, you know, you're going to have two of every animal. So this isn't just a boat. This is a ship. I mean, it's gigantic. It's just ridiculous. And, and I like what was said over here. I mean, it's radical, but he was already living a radical life, Right. I mean, he was already having to be radical in a, in a godless generation. So building an ark, I mean, he was already probably being persecuted. So, okay, build an ark. I'm just going to get persecuted more. Right. And so there's a lot about Noah that even there that, that so much um, can be pulled from. So I want us to go back to the fact that he walked with God in, in a world that disregarded God. So Jumping back to Ephesians chapter 2:10. "For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them." So I got to thinking, because Noah is a builder, that he might need a hammer, right? Pick up a hammer. I mean, if you're going to build an ark, you've got to pick up a hammer, right? Well, what do I mean by pick up a hammer? Honestly, what I mean by that is, is be a part of the solution, not the problem. All right? Don't worry. I'm not going to hit anybody. Yeah. But pick up a hammer. And I honestly think, bear with me here, I think that at some level God has this message for us. He says, come follow me. But what? pick It's almost like he says, pick up a hammer and go build my church. Pick up a hammer and go pursue my kingdom. Pick up a hammer and go... You know, go build a family. Pick up a hammer and go and build his kingdom in your school. For crying out loud, stop crying in your milk. Pick up a hammer and get to, be- get to work. He has designed you to do good works for him, right? You follow me on that? So, I mean, if nothing else, I think maybe what he's saying to us is if you're going to be like Noah, you've got to pick up a hammer. You can't build an ark without a hammer. It's going to take you even longer, Right? So pick up a hammer. Now, some of us, admittedly, I think we get stuck. We get stuck looking in the mirror. We're concerned only with our own issues. And, and the world is so dark. And so I think sometimes how we get out of our own dark places is to start helping. That's and and that's not just scriptural. That's there's some very practical aspects to that. And so that may be where you are. It's hard, and I don't want to downplay how hard that can be, but but maybe the thing you can do is just go and volunteer this church needs you. Churches need you. God needs you. God wants you. God doesn't need it. He can do it. He just chooses to use us to, to, to impact this world, to redeem a lost and dying world. And so he needs his church to pick up a hammer and get busy. Okay. Not to earn anything, not to please God, but to just because we love God, there, my wife, I love her. There are things I do, not because I have to, but because I love her, I want to. She does far many more for me, but because she loves me, she, she just wants to, to do kind things for me. So let's get to work. So next, if we're going to be like Noah, we got to put down the crowbar. I didn't bring a crowbar because I don't have a crowbar. Why do I say this? Honestly, folks, we live in a generation that is constantly tearing things down, constantly. The culture we live in of this cancel culture is so, we, we give up so easily, we cancel people so quickly, we're not willing to do the heavy lifting. And so one of the things I think we've got to do before we pick up a hammer is we need to put down our crowbar, okay? Stop tearing people down. Stop tearing yourself down. I mean, own who you are in Christ. You are his workmanship. Don't tear down who he created. Don't tear down others who he created. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only such words as are as good for, as a edification according to the need of moment that it may build others up. So it is so important, I think, that, that if we're going to be busy, if we're going to be like Noah, we cannot be people that carry around a crowbar, tearing others down, demolishing relationships, quickly canceling, uh, you know, let's do the hard work Let's get in there and, 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 and get things done. So pick up a hammer, put down the crowbar. The next thing we're going to do, if we're going to be like Noah, wait, on, hold on. This one you don't see coming, I assure you. Ah. Oh, wait a minute. Ah. Pick up a wrench. Choose the wrench. Any Matt Damon fans? Come on. He's a middle-aged movie star. We got to support middle-aged movie stars, right? Has anybody ever heard seen Goodwill Hunting? All right. Goodwill Hunting. Well, if you're familiar with that story, Will Hunting is played by Matt Damon, and he's a brilliant kid from a rough Boston neighborhood. And in one scene, Will is in this court-ordered therapy session with Sean played by Robin Williams. And his, who's his therapist and mentor. And Will is telling Sean how his father used to beat him. And the conversation goes as follows. Will said, he used to just put a belt, a stick, and a wrench on the kitchen table and say, choose. Sean says, well, I, I, I got to go with the belt there. And Will says, I used to go with the wrench. And Sean says, why? And Will, in very colorful languages, just says, well, blank him, that's why. So what do we mean by this? While the belt stings, a wrench is going to break your bones. It's going to crack your skull, potentially. Most people are going to choose the easy way, right? And I think God is calling us to choose the hard way, to choose the hard path. Christ would say it like this. Take up, my cross, take up your cross and follow me. And so choosing the wrench is saying you're choosing the harder path. And in the, in the, the scenario of the movie, Will chose the wrench. He ex- chose to experience more pain because in that scenario, he stood up against his father and he flipped the power dynamic by showing that he couldn't be broken no matter what. And so bear with me here because I think this is so important. This concept has meant so much to me, this idea of just choose hard things, even at my age, I, I realized this summer, I thought, man, I'm getting soft in some ways, spiritually, mentally, physically, and I thought, I need to choose hard things. Choose things that are hard. If if relationships need healing, choose to heal them. If forgiveness needs to be made, choose to be forgiven or to forgive. Choose to ask for forgiveness. Even, in, even physical things or mental things, choose things that are hard because the more you do hard things... You set a new standard on what's hard. Let me, me, bear with me here. By choosing the hard path, we receive the greater benefit. We are conditioned to choose the belt, the path of least resistance. Most people, even Christians, choose to do what is easy. Most people choose to sit on the couch rather than exercise. Choose to complain rather than work to fix the problem. Choose to blame others rather than to take ownership of their actions. Choose to follow the crowd instead of following Christ. You tracking with this? Is, you tracking with me on this? Bear with me. But who wants to be like most people? I want a room full of wrench choosers, right? That's what God's calling us to. Noah chose the wrench. He didn't just pick up a hammer. He chose the wrench. He, he and his family. He was, he was. He was exposing them to, to, you know, violence and and uh, you know, the the everything from the culture of that moment, and so they chose the hard way. For a believer, it means radical obedience. Paul put it like this, I discipline my body and make it my slave lest I have preached to others. I myself should be disqualified. So choosing the wrench means choosing or seeking challenges in your life and in your faith instead of hiding from it or complaining about it. Choosing the wrench means you do today what others won't, so that you can do tomorrow what others can't. By doing hard things, things that scare you and make you want to quit or complain or break down, your mind gets used to doing hard things, and your threshold for what you considered hard is raised higher and higher. What once was hard to do becomes easy. Are you following me on this? It's it's an important principle that it's been so helpful on me once you start doing harder things, those things don't become so hard anymore. Once you start sharing your faith, as hard as that is, getting up in front of people, this is not easy for me. The more you do it, the more you share your faith, the more you get—you become vulnerable, the easier it will become. You're, you're, you're increasing your threshold for what is uncomfortable. Start simple. It may be as For some of you, make your bed every day. Memorize some verses. Exercise every day. Share your faith story. Just get out there and do it. Seek out things that push you out of your comfort zone. So when you really do hard things, when you choose the wrench, those hard things become the reference point in your mind for what other things you can do. Maybe even start a streak. One of the things Jan and I do uh, is every month, the first of the month, we decide, okay, what are we going to do this month? So... You know, one month we started the gratitude journal. So every night we we write three things we're grateful for, or that we meditate on scripture every morning, and one month we started, you know, scripture memory. So, you know, you start these streaks. At the beginning of the year, I decided I'm gonna run every day. Janet, have I run every day? I've run every day. I ran through snow apocalypse. I ran in the rain. My daughter ran with me. But you know what? I thought I made a commitment to do this. And it's, it's, and I'm not some great runner, but I made a decision to do it. And so now I don't even, I really don't even have to think about it because I do it. And if it's raining, well, I'm going to go run because you know what? I chose the ranch, right? And, and when it comes to even more important stuff like a family or like your faith or like commitment to the church, I almost, man, I have a, I'm known in the staff for my whisper cry (laughs) because I get so emotional. But you know what I'm saying is, I mean, I want us to be known as people that seek out the hard things that when God calls us to build an ark, we go, no, that's fine. I'm doing that because I've already been choosing hard things to do. So we need to be a people that choose the wrench, do hard things and watch what happens. So that when life throws you real challenges, when your loved one or co-workers are counting on you or when God calls you to something difficult, you're going to be ready. You'll, be, you'll have already been used to choosing those hard things. Noah chose the wrench. Will we choose the wrench? When life is hard, will we choose those things that are difficult? Will we choose the path that is hard, not the easy way? You know, wide is the, the way that leads to, you know, what is it, Perdition. Narrow is the way that leads to salvation. I mean, we need to choose the harder path. So be like Noah. Walk with God in a godless world. Put down your crowbar, pick up a hammer, and choose the wrench. Jenna, anything, you're so familiar. I don't want to put you on the spot, but anything that in this concept that, that I could have touched on? Okay. Any questions on any of this? Because one, I don't want you to to leave here with the impression that that somehow in our Will Hunting example, that God, the good, beautiful, glorious, loving God, is is not anything more than that. You follow me? And so does this concept help me make sure? I just want to make sure it makes sense and that I, okay, yes. Repeat that one more time. yeah oh, so her question is what do you how do you feel on the days you don't feel like you did what you were going to do? I always go back to the verse his mercies are new every morning. you know I mean you know I, perfectionism is 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 an issue that is not that is not what we're after. only Jesus was perfect and and so I'm not talking about that I'm just talking about though, hey, just strap it on again the next day, get back on it and and just seek God wholeheartedly you know and, and rest in the fact that we are we are objects of His wonderful, beautiful mercy, and it is by His grace we are saved through faith. We don't have, we can't add anything to that. But man, why not get ready tomorrow? I mean, I I, I told the staff one time I want to be a part of a church where where when when we wake up tomorrow morning, Satan goes, "Dear goodness gracious, these the, the people at Vista are awake." You know what are they going to happen? I mean, let's take a flamethrower to the gates of hell. That's what I'm saying. That's the kind of you know, faith. I want us to exhibit. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. You know, if we struggle with something, let's 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 wrestle with it. I mean, we. I want to be a part of a of a community that says, "Hey, if we've have hard things to discuss, fine. Let's press in. Let's not retreat, because I'm going to pursue." I mean, man, I'm okay, here. I go,
1: damn it.
0: Yeah, Jana. No, no, because I'm going to say something in a
1: second. Okay, excellent. Okay, so. The one thing that you and I talked about, so I made that little pun at the end of the scripture about how Noah obeyed some of what God told him to do, right? No, not at all, because I'm great at that. I am great at partial obedience. Anybody else? Like, I'll go a little bit of the way, but, oh, that whole, the whole nine yards. So I I love that it shows us that God was, that Noah was completely obedient. And then back to your point, what do I do when I don't feel like it, right? Because I'm right there with you. I think especially as women, like oftentimes we just, You know, we know we're a little bit more led by our feelings. And basically, I have to make that decision to act in obedience and trust that my feelings will follow. And that's been really true in my life. Like, if I had to wait for me to feel like forgiving you, that may never happen, right? So I forgive because I know it's commanded. I know I'm told. (laughs) I know I'm told to. And the great thing is, once I forgive, when I am obedient, I do the hard thing. Guess what? The good feeling follows. Yes, right? But I can't wait for that feeling. I got to choose the wrench. Do the hard thing first. My feelings will catch up to me. Yeah.
0: No, that's, that is, that is, Janet, thank you. That's outstanding. I mean, and I think the thing that gets me so riled up is, I mean, You know, I think of my wife. I mean, I'm going to pursue her. I mean, my children, you know, I'm going to pursue. I mean, we've got to have that kind of mentality That come hell or high water. I'm going to pursue the things that God wants me to pursue. And we can't be these eggshell Christians that get our feelings hurt at everything that somebody, you know, doesn't agree with. I mean, my goodness, who said it that Noah and his family were the objects of ridicule for years And yet God said they obeyed him in all that they did. And so, anyway, I'm going to pause there. But, again, man, put down the crowbar, pick up a hammer, and choose the wrench. That's what I guess I wanted us to pull from this, this session.